Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our studio Nancy Irwin. Nancy is from Columbia, South Carolina, so she's right here in town and works for the state's School for the Deaf and the Blind in their Division of Outreach Services as the Access Technology Specialist. Prior to working for the school, she was the JAWS instructor, and that's not the movie, but we'll talk about that later, uh, for the South Carolina Commission for the Blind. She also has a degree in theater technical design from Winthrop University. She and her husband, Billy, have four guide dogs at home. Two are retired and two are active working guides. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to have you here. So tell us about your experience of what maybe led you into working in the assistive technology field. You know, a lot of it really just came from the simple fact that I'm a blind person and I use the equipment. Um, I was very lucky to receive some technology instruction when I was in high school um, because I was losing more vision and um, the technology I had wasn't meeting my needs. Mm -hmm. So the school district actually contracted with uh, SCSDB, the South Carolina School for the Deaf and Blind, Mm -hmm. to um, bring in a a technology instructor once a a month. And um, he worked with me on using various pieces of technology. the road to actually get to where this was my job mm-hmm. <laughs> was not a straight one. Mm. Um, I, you know, as you said before, I uh, had a degree in theater tech design, and a lot of it came out of I like knowing how things work and mm-hmm. why they do what they do. But I didn't want to work with blind people because mm. that was what everybody said I should do. Mm-hmm. I think I had at one time said I wanted to be a teacher and then I I got older and and really kind of just wasn't interested Mm. you know I wanted to prove to the world that I was more than just a blind person that wanted to work with blind people and it's funny it took it took living in different states and doing internships for a couple of years after college and then out of the blue uh, I got a phone call from um, a friend of mine um, from the Commission for the Blind and he said um, because I had gone uh, to the commission for some technology training myself mm-hmm. after college. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I know you like technology and the JAWS instructor position is coming available and I think you ought to apply for it. Um, and and I was at that point more amenable to the idea because mm-hmm. during the internships that I had, they were both working in churches. Mm. I was pondering uh, the ministry and mm-hmm. blind people kept showing up, mm. <laughs> you know. And it was little things. It was, oh, I want to participate in church, or oh, I want to mm-hmm. sing in the choir. And, and these were these were all things that I was doing for myself anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like it was hard. It was just, oh, okay, well, you need these things, and I need these things too, and sure, you know. And so, um, you know, I, I would like to think that um, things happen for reasons and you know however you ascribe to make that mm-hmm. work for you that sure. you know it made sense to me and so um you know here I, I landed in columbia south carolina i was living in louisville kentucky and okay. i was going to stay mm-hmm. i i was looking for a job and i ended up here i'm originally from spartanburg 
Oh, so, okay. Um, well, I grew up part of my life in Union, so yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. We're next about. door neighbors. <laughs> yeah. And so, and it's funny, my husband's from Gaffney, so. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, upstate. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So, um, you know, it. I never expected to live in Columbia. Uh-huh, you know, I uh-huh. never, uh, and I, um, I never expected that I would work for the School for the Deaf and Blind. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I was working at the commission, doing my thing, working with adults, you know. I was really scared to go into that job because I thought they were going to fire me the first you – know, <laughs> because I really was like, I've never done this before. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh-huh. And then somebody goes, you do realize at this point that you know more than they do, right? Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, okay. okay yeah, yeah, maybe it'll that, be okay. That kind of makes sense when it's put to you that yeah, way. Yeah, you know? it wasn't so scary because yeah. I, I quite literally told my mom I was afraid to unpack because they were going to fire me. <laughs> and she laughed at me. Um, and But what was so funny is Marty from the Commission for the Blind – or I'm sorry, Marty from the School for the Deaf and Blind mm-hmm. – he recruited me. Okay. And, I had and, that's, no, and that's Marty McKenzie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, because he is also on our board of trustees for yeah. the state library. I've known Marty forever, ever since I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think I was the only one in the conversation, and a friend of mine was sitting next to me while this conversation was happening. I think I was the only one out of the three of us that didn't realize I was being recruited for a job. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> he approached me. We were at a... An, a National Federation of the Blind Convention, and I was describing to someone how to use a piece of technology, and mm-hmm. I had their hands on it, and mm-hmm. said, well, you know, this is this, and this is what this does, and this is how you use it, and mm-hmm. I was just doing my thing, sure. and had no idea I had an audience, and um, at the end of our conversation, because Marty was asking me different questions about, well, what do you do, and mm-hmm. what do you teach field, you know, your consumers how to do, and I was just kind of talking about my job. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my friend next to me elbows me after Marty leaves and goes, I think you were just recruited for a job. <laughs> and I was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> I was just having a conversation. Uh-huh. And so um, it was it, it was really, <laughs> it was funny. The, the interview was not what I would have, I really think it was another thing where I think I was the only one that didn't realize mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. they were really highly considering me for mm-hmm, the job. Mm-hmm. Because when I walked in, Everybody came out of their office to meet me, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, who are all these people <laughs> and why are they all talking to me? Because uh-huh. it just wasn't, it wasn't what I expected. But um, I have very much enjoyed my uh, last, let's see, uh, I was hired in November of 2014. So it's been four and a half years yeah. at Outreach. And it's funny because in my job interview, Marty goes, well, you might want to also apply for the um, program at USC Upstate to become a teacher of the visually impaired. And I'm like, what? In my job interview? It was <laughs> it was so funny. Um, it's like everybody had their plans for you. Yeah, but I was oblivious <laughs> to everything, it sounds like. That's great. Well, tell us a little bit about, you mentioned, we've mentioned JAWS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for folks who may not know, what what is JAWS? What does it stand for? Is it an acronym? It is an acronym. It stands for Job Access with Speech, which doesn't actually tell you what it does. Mm -hmm. The only thing that actually says is, oh, well, speech is involved. And so what what JAWS is, is it is a piece of software that you install onto a Windows machine, and it looks at the code of whatever is on the screen. Mm -hmm. So 
as a visual person, you are seeing, you know, boxes and you're seeing text in a Word document or um, that sort of stuff. Whereas JAWS is looking behind it hmm. to the actual code. Okay. And my husband's an IT guy and he understands it way better than I do. <laughs> but I just know enough to know that it's not actually looking at what's visually there. It's because mm -hmm. what's visually there mm -hmm. is coming from the source code anyway. Right, and so like when you have source code, like the uh, for images, if mm -hmm. they have titles that are in the HTML, then JAWS is going to be picking up on that? Yes. Okay. And that's actually a very, um, that's, a, that's actually something that we encounter quite a lot, especially navigating on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, so many developers are, I'm sorry to developers, but my husband <laughs> says you're lazy because they're all, evidently, and I don't know why they do this, according to him, this is all my husband, so I don't uh -huh. know. He's saying that when you do things like create a button mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. in web development, there are actually two parts to doing that. There's the creating the button and saying, this is going to be the submit button. Mm -hmm. But then there's also another box that said that you you can give that button a name mm. and it tends to be that second box that developers don't mess with and frankly i don't blame them mm -hmm. if you have to do two things to make one thing work i can absolutely understand why they don't mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um but i think there are things that are and they, there's a word for that they call that alternative text mm -hmm. the alt tags and, and uh -huh. you find that in pictures a lot yep. and, and i love when people actually take the time to do that because pictures um when i was younger i could see pictures pictures mm -hmm. are they're too busy now there's mm -hmm. too many colors there's too much activity there's too much shading mm -hmm. and so i just kind of look at it and it's a jumble of colors and unless i can remember sure what was happening at the time, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Okay. And that's just kind of the way it goes with getting older and your vision changing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, so. definitely. Well, uh, so you are at the um, School for the Deaf and the Blind, and mm -hmm. that is headquartered in Spartanburg, correct? Yes, that's correct. And, but you live here, and you, um, you do outreach and, and uh, access technology. So tell us for folks who don't know what the school is all about, um, what what does the school do? So the school works with students with sensory disabilities of different kinds. Um, they, well, I, I guess I shouldn't say they, I guess I should say <laughs> we, because <laughs> I forget sometimes that uh -huh. I just do what I do. Uh -huh. um, so anyway, uh, we work with students that are age, I think it's three to 21, okay. uh, because there's an early intervention component, but I think early intervention works with children as, I guess, shortly after birth, I would mm -hmm. imagine, um, because I don't know a lot about that, because that's not what I do. Mm -hmm. But um, the students we work with have all sorts of different kinds of disabilities. Um, on campus in Spartanburg, they break them out into subcategories. Mm -hmm. So you have a school for students that are blind and visually impaired. You have a school for deaf and hard of hearing students. And then you have a school for students with multiple disabilities that may also include deafness or um, visual impairment. Mm -hmm. And so it really just kind of depends on how they determine what student goes to what school I'm not aware of. I think I think it's the multiple disability component mm -hmm. that I think they just look at 
the environment and the students' needs and where they're going to be best served, okay. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, now what I do is I work with students that are in mainstream schools and mainstream classrooms. Okay. And um, outreach, we have teachers of the visually impaired and teachers of the deaf and hard of hearing mm-hmm. that travel into schools and work with students in their homeschool as opposed to on campus in Spartanburg, it's a residential school. Oh, okay. However, (laughs) because I was a day student Mm -hmm. at SCSDB as a child because I lived in Spartanburg, Mm. um, I was, you know, taken on the school bus to school every day. If you're a residential student, they pick you up Sunday evening Mm -hmm. and you go home Friday afternoon. Oh, okay. And how do, how do um, you may or may not know the answer to this, but how do school districts in South Carolina work with students who um, maybe have a visual impairment? Do they partner with the School for the Deaf and the Blind to get resources, or do they have their own resources at the school level or the district level? Yes. <laughs> to simply answer. <laughs> well, and the reason the reason I say it that way is because it's not a one-size-fits-all thing mm-hmm. for all districts. Um, SESDB, we go in and contract with certain districts, and so we provide our staff to go into those districts and work with those students directly. Okay. There are some districts that have their own teachers, and then there are some districts that do a little bit of both. Okay. Now, SESDB is not the only game in town mm-hmm. that does what we do. There's a couple of other organizations. I'm not going to try to name them because I don't know them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the whole idea behind it is that we want to serve to kids, and we want them to be as successful as they possibly can be with the resources that they need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So tell us specifically what you do as an access technology specialist. What all does that entail? It's a whole lot of fun. It really is. (laughs) That's great. I love my job. It's so much fun. Um, I used to jokingly say that I hang out with kids and play with toys all day. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But there is a little bit of paperwork and stuff involved, too. Yeah, the adult stuff. Unfortunately. (laughs) Gosh. But um, what I do is... So let me start with the process of Mm -hmm. how you would get a child referred for access technology services. I specifically work with students that are blind and visually impaired. Mm -hmm. So, but I have also uh, collaborated with teachers that work with students with multiple disabilities Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't take the primary there because there may be some other uh, needs that they have like for augmented communication and things that is not my specialty. Mm-hmm. I, I mostly stick with the um, access technology that is necessary for students that are blind and visually impaired. Okay. So the way this works is uh, if a school district wants to refer a child for AT services, they would have an IEP meeting, which is the, it stands for the Individualized Education Program. Mm-hmm. It's a meeting with the parents and the teachers and the school psychologists and everybody that's kind of necessary sure. to make sure that the student gets what they need. Mm-hmm. And in that meeting, they decide, you know, the student really needs to learn some technology. You know, maybe they're getting, maybe they're moving forward in their education. And we live in a digital world now where things are being brought to younger and younger children at younger and younger ages. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I walk into classrooms and you have second, third, fourth graders 
using Chromebooks to mm-hmm. do math. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I was in school, it was, you know, pencil and paper, <laughs> yep. which is weird because I only graduated college about 10 years ago. So uh-huh. I'm like, oh, I'm not old yet. <laughs> well, I mean, so, a lot of this technology you know, is really, really recent. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, it's not something that has been around for mm-hmm. a long time. It's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. in the la- Even in the last couple of years that I've been working for the school, it's mm-hmm. changed a lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you're if you're handing iPads and Chromebooks to second and third graders, our blind and visually impaired students need to be able to function mm-hmm. in those settings as well. Now, they may not necessarily get a Chromebook because that might not be what serves their needs the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we do, or what I do, I guess I should say, is um, after the IEP team approves for the student to receive a technology assessment, mm-hmm. um, they send a number of things to the outreach department. We get a copy of the student's IEP. We get a copy of the student's functional vision assessment that's done by a teacher of the visually impaired Mm -hmm. so that we have some idea of, well, is this student a totally blind student? Does the student have some vision? If they do, you know, are they able to read print? How how do they Mm -hmm. do what they do? Mm -hmm. And so that, that way, when I go to do my assessment, if they're a totally blind student, there it makes no sense to bring a bunch of magnifiers and um, be testing for screen colors and things of that na- nature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, I think there's probably a couple of other permission to assess forms and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, frankly, the one I focus mainly on is the functional vision assessment okay. um, because that's going to impact very much what I bring with me. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, after we've got all the equipment, or all, I'm sorry, after we've got all of the necessary paperwork together, mm-hmm. um, I schedule a date with the teacher of the visually impaired or the school district or however this works to um, come and assess the student. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we meet in a, anywhere. I've met in a conference room. Mm-hmm. Um, typically it's conference rooms in the library or the guidance department. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done it in a classroom. Um when other students were not around. Mm-hmm. It's mainly wherever they can stick me. Sure. Um, <laughs> but the nice part about doing it at school is that I am in the student's environment. So if the lighting is causing a problem for them, mm-hmm. I'm going to see that. Yeah. And, you know, if they they need to sit at a certain distance away from things, I'm going to see that. Mm-hmm. So those are all things that I take note of. If we change the magnification level, are they able to sit further back in their chair or not? Mm -hmm. Um, Being someone that um, had better vision when I was younger and could see the computer screen, Mm -hmm. I understand very much the uh, fatigue of leaning forward and looking at the computer screen, trying to use my vision to do that. Sure. Um, And after doing that all day long or even for an hour or two, it's exhausting. And so my goal is to try to um, meet the needs of the student for what they need to be successful, but also looking forward, is fatigue going to become a problem for this student as the workload increases and Mm -hmm. the amount of reading increases? Because Mm -hmm. ultimately, they do lots of reading. Sure. And so we are going to need to think about at some point teaching the student to use their ears to listen to materials because doing it visually or reading braille, it's not its not going to go fast enough for them to mm-hmm. get the work done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we need to get our work done and graduate and go have a good, successful life. So, right, right. Um, so do you, work with, do you work with students throughout their 
education? In yes. other words, so you like when you start out with them, maybe if they're in elementary school or something, you kind of get to see them through their education? It's really fun to watch kids grow up. That's it neat. really it That is the part that I think teachers probably love the most yeah. is getting to watch their kids grow up. Mm-hmm. And they really, I don't have children, biological mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. but these are all my kids. Oh, sure. You know, and I, 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 I care very much about them and their families, mm-hmm. and I hope that they're successful. And it's really fun. I have, um, I've had two young men graduating this year. Mm. I had... One, two, three. I had three students graduate last year. Wow. And it's really, really a lot of fun because a lot of them I followed since they were either uh, late middle school or early high school. Mm-hmm. And it's been really, really fun to watch, you know, a, a student I got in the sixth grade because they came in from a different state. Sure. Watch them move into high school and how they have matured because <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. middle school is not fun for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, you hit that nail right on yes. the head. <laughs> um, so, um, you had mentioned that, um, like if a student comes in from another state, does every state have a school for the deaf and the blind, or is that something that varies from state to state? I do not think so. I, in doing some research just out of my own curiosity, mm-hmm. there's lots of states that do not seem to have their own schools for the blind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how students receive AT instruction, I imagine it just comes from the TDI in the district. And okay. so this, the part about that, you may have a TDI that is not very comfortable with mm-hmm. technology. Mm-hmm. And depending on their comfort level, that's going to be what they teach to their students. Sure. And so um, that is why it's helpful to mm-hmm. have someone like me that really knows the technology to come in mm-hmm. and work with a student. And I also think, you know, there are sighted individuals that do what I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I really believe that it is helpful uh, to have someone sitting next to you that mm-hmm. has been where you are sure. as a visually impaired person. Definitely. Um, because there's definitely a camaraderie there. Mm-hmm. I, I've had discussions with kids about things that have nothing to do with AT, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. ultimately looking back, it was probably the most important thing we did that day because mm-hmm. they're going through stuff. You know, sure. their, their, their brothers and sisters are getting driver's licenses. Yep, yep. You know, very painful, difficult topics about growing up and well what about my future and can I have kids and can I get married because mm-hmm. when I got married one of my kids goes I hope I get a husband someday and I said <laughs> well you know maybe you will maybe you won't mm-hmm. but you know we'll just have to see how it goes yeah exactly so you yeah. know and so that's kind of one of the things that's not on my EPMS but I really right. enjoy uh-huh, uh-huh. is and that's building that it, personal relationship yes. and yeah. I think that's that's the thing about doing what we do is that we we get to know the students on mm-hmm. a very close level. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get to know the families as much mm-hmm. just because I don't see them very often. Sure. But some of the parents I have really good, really great relationships with. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, very I like cool. My, I mean, yeah, I like it's, and, it's, and it's meaningful too. I mean, you're really impacting um, all these students' lives on a level that you know, without access to this kind of technology, they, you know, may get left behind or, or lost in the shuffle. Yeah, that's the that's the concern is we we don't want them to miss out mm-hmm. because things have changed a mm-hmm. lot. And mm-hmm. if you don't have the computer skills to keep up, it 
you you are able to go and receive training. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I used to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think it's easier to learn these things right alongside your classmates that are doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I have one student, it's been amazing. They, they received equipment this year mm-hmm. from the Commission for the Blind because mm-hmm. they're a transition age student. And I, I think it's wonderful that they're able to provide that equipment for the students. So mm-hmm. go commission. Yep. <laughs> um, but this student has flourished in the last five months. Wow, she got equipment great. in January. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. We were working on skills that we've been kind of creeping along. Mm-hmm. And then she finally got her own equipment that she could take home and, and really dig into. Mm-hmm. And it, it's been amazing. Yeah. I, I I wish these things had happened much earlier, but I, I'm grateful that they happened now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so um, it it really is amazing to see what happens when you have what you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, precisely. Um, one of the things that I always like to talk about since this is Library Voices SC is the um, involvement that libraries have with um, this this kind of technology. And a lot of libraries in South Carolina do offer assistive devices for um, library patrons and make available to them CCTV devices, things they can even want to come into the library and read their mail, you know, using something that um, may be too expensive to afford at home. But um, one of the things that we've done here at the State Library, our part of our Talking Book Services, division is that we have a student art gallery and I know we have a lot of students who are in um, at, at the School for the Deaf and the Blind and other locations throughout the state and so you know even having that as as something that's part of our um, offerings is, is really special because when the students come here they you know they're getting their awards and and it's really cool but um, as far as uh, what kinds of assistive technology um, libraries offer. Do you ever work with with libraries at all? I have not worked with them as far as procuring equipment. I know my boss has in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, it was it was really neat actually when I was when I was still living in Spartanburg. Um, mm-hmm. This was after high school while I was home from college doing something. And I happened to go to the library. And out of curiosity, simply, mm-hmm. I said, hey, do you guys have um, any technology for folks that are blind and visually impaired? Mm-hmm. And they got so excited <laughs> because really? they, yeah, they wanted to show me what they had. Uh-huh. And they said, well, you know, we have this here, but we don't really know how to use <laughs> how it to use very it. well. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. And uh-huh. so I not really, they didn't ask me, but mm-hmm. it was kind of like, okay, well, this is a CCTV and this mm-hmm. is what this does and mm-hmm. this is how you use it and, you know, this is how you zoom in, this is how you zoom out, th- and this is why someone would want to use that. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe the, the uh, library also had a computer with JAWS and Zoom text mm-hmm. on it at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, well, and then there's a talking computer. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So the computer doesn't talk, but the technology or the software Mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. And so that was also fun because it was, um, and they're like, well, well, we don't know how to help people use it. And Mm -hmm. I said, okay, so that's that's beyond your scope. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. here's a little bit about, you know, how do you get them 
logged in? How do you get them started? Sure. And if they don't know how to use things, here's who I would talk to. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And and those were just me being me as a sure, person. definitely. Um, you know, and so I I have not been to um, the library here in Richland County. Just mm-hmm. I just haven't. Um, but I, I do know that a lot of the libraries have made a very large effort to have technology available. And I think that's one of the issues that a lot of libraries run into is that they get some of the technology, but then there might not be someone on staff mm-hmm. who, you know, keeps up with it on a regular basis mm-hmm. or, you know, there might only be one staff member possibly in the IT department who kind of knows, you know, what it's all about. And so I think that's an issue that we yeah. need to think about in library land as as far as, you know, serving individuals in in various communities who may have, you know, the need for this technology. Well, and maybe even having um, like a notebook that mm-hmm. would describe, you know, in, I have figured out in working with teachers and working with students that if you can spell it out for them step mm-hmm. by step and mm-hmm. even use pictures. Yep. That works really, really well for helping people to understand, oh, this is what this is and this is how you use it. Mm-hmm. And maybe the, the 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 bad part is folks, you know, they'll get a grant or the Lions Club will donate something sure. or whatever. And so everybody has little – their technology is different. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's, it would be hard to do a standardized notebook. But, right. you, you know, even if we found out – oh, well, they have at the library here in Sumter, they have this. Mm-hmm, or in the library mm-hmm. here in Anderson, they have this. Sure. And, you know, maybe there's some something we could do collaboratively to uh, help come up with some materials or and, something. And that's one of the things I know we have because we have staff members here in Talking Book Services. And I know you know Caitlin Hodges. Mm-hmm. And she, um, you know, has been working to make uh, assistive technology devices. We have a assistive technology petting zoo that we have actually taken out to a number of different libraries so that not only library staff can experience these different devices and technologies but also patrons who want to come into the library that that the day we're there they can experience those too and some of some of those get a lot of patrons some of them you know maybe not that many but at least it's kind of starting to, uh, you know, get out there and and show folks in libraries what it's all about. Getting the word out, I think, is hard, Mm -hmm. especially among the blind and visually impaired community. And Mm -hmm. I would also think, especially among people that lose vision later in life, because they they can't read the paper. Mm -hmm. You know, they Mm -hmm. they lose contact with the world around them, really, unless it's on TV or the radio where they can listen to it, or Mm -hmm. they have a family member that, you know, is actively looking for those things. Mm -hmm. I get so much mail that it's just like, I don't know. You know? <laughs> right. and, and so I, I scan it briefly to figure out what it is with my, my scanner or I mm-hmm. use my iPhone mm-hmm. um, with an app on it. But then it's, oh, well, I don't need that. So I just toss it. And yeah. so maybe it's a family member doesn't know that, oh, that might be helpful for grandpa or mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so. definitely. Yep, and, and like I mentioned, you know, a lot of different libraries have different levels of mm-hmm. of what they have available to the public right. so it just depends um, but definitely encourage folks who maybe know someone or if they have a visual impairment to just call their local public library and see absolutely. maybe what they have available absolutely um, what other kinds of additional projects maybe you're working on that that you would want to share well um, I am crazy and I have been 
going to grad school while I have been working. Oh, last... yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it's difficult, too. It really too. is. <laughs> um, it, it's been a lot of fun, and it's definitely um, given me a lot more vocabulary to mm, use. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am, have been studying to become a teacher of the visually impaired. Okay, great. And so um, I, it's actually been really helpful to understand the TVIs a lot better mm, um, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, I didn't really know what they do other than teach Braille, because <laughs> that was what mine did. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's also been helpful to understand my own eye condition a little bit better. Okay. Um, and to be able to have more words to explain things. Mm-hmm. And th- something that I've actually been given lots of compliments about is that I am very comfortable taking complicated subjects and breaking them down into small enough words to understand. And that's a that's an art. That's a skill. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And, and so having, and I ask lots of, well, do you, does that make sense? I mm-hmm. ask lots of questions mm-hmm. as I'm doing it. And so it probably makes people crazy, but it, <laughs> you know, it, it's been a lot of fun for me. But mm-hmm. uh, so um, when I am finished, I am supposed to be finished, hopefully December of 2019 Mm -hmm. so hopefully 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 Mm -hmm. uh i will uh graduate with a master's of arts and teaching Mm -hmm. with um the concentration being in visual impairment and um i imagine my role here at sesdb is largely going to stay the same Mm -hmm. but you never know where marty will send me so (laughs) (laughs) um but i i like it. it it's a lot of fun it's what I love about my job is it's different every mm-hmm, day. Mm-hmm. I and I need that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm definitely not a stay in the office every day and do the same thing kind of person. Mm-hmm. That would make me nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. I'm the same way. It's like I like doing this podcast and I get to do a lot of other stuff when it comes to libraries. So it's a whole lot of fun. I was really excited to come here today because I've never been to the library before. Oh, okay. Um, I have been connected with talking books since I can remember. Uh-huh. Um, I have very fond memories of my um, public school librarian. Uh-huh. I, I left the school for the blind and went to public school to uh-huh. be with my sister because, uh-huh. you know, why not? Sure. And um, my librarian got a I, I think she must have gotten an institutional account mm-hmm. with talking books. Okay. And because I had my own because sure. I was getting books at home all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And then I came to school one day and she was so excited to show me. <laughs> she set me up with a really comfortable beanbag chair mm-hmm. and I had my own set of headphones and a yellow tape player yep, that yep. I actually still have. So, you know. <laughs> um, and she gave me, she got me a bunch of books and that was the best thing that somebody ever did for me uh-huh. because it was familiar and in a world sure. where everything was so different yeah um that was comforting mm-hmm. and you know at the time we didn't have you know digital textbooks that you could make your own font size and your own font color right. and so you know and reading for me was starting to become difficult um and fatiguing mm-hmm. and so being able to just lose yourself in a story was my favorite thing to do, mm-hmm. and, and frankly, still is. I um, I used to, um, as a kid, listen to books to help me fall asleep at mm-hmm. night, but mm-hmm. then I made the mistake in high school with the Harry Potter series that was bad, because <laughs> yeah. I look over and it's two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I have to go to school tomorrow. Uh-huh. And um, so I figured out Harry Potter was not a good book series to listen to. But, um, you know, and that's the thing that I loved about talking books was I could read anything, mm-hmm. you know. And now with the uh, Marrakesh Treaty having uh, mm-hmm. been, I think, ratified, I think, or signed into law or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that supposedly the access to books is going to explode. And yeah. I'm really excited because, you know, sometimes you want to read a book that your friend's reading and you can't find it anywhere. Oh, yeah. And that that's the hard part mm-hmm. about books. And I think for me, I, unfortunately, um, libraries and bookstores have kind of made me sad mm. more over the over the last couple of years and mm. maybe it's that i just don't know what technology is available there mm-hmm. but i i i feel left out mm-hmm. you know like you, you kind of look around and go there's so much stuff here there's yeah. so much information but can i get that book in an audio book mm-hmm. or can mm-hmm. i get it you know in a digital format and sure. so not knowing what my options are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i have definitely you know, I utilize services like NLS yeah. a lot and Bookshare and Learning Ally and uh, and Bard. That's and the, Bard. Yep. The online. Bard is the online version of what Talking Book Services does in person. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the people at Talking Book Services. Uh-huh. They are <laughs> like my favorite people uh-huh. because not only for me but for my kids. Yeah. You know, it's it's really it's it's actually really funny. I'll call up there and I go. Hey, it's Nancy Irwin with SCSDB, and they go, "Oh, hi!" Uh-huh. And, and you know, because <laughs> usually it's a, "Hey, we forgot our password," or right. um, you know, "We'd like to order a book." So that's one of the things we did. Oh, my guide dog's moving around. Sorry. That's <laughs> um, one of the things we did for one of my students as an IEP goal mm-hmm. last year was they would have to become comfortable enough and these are working on independent living skills and social skills to call the library and say i would like to read a book about whatever it was sure and they had to do it independently and Mm -hmm. so for the first couple of times you know i would call and we would kind of talk through it together Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i would say i have you know little susie here and she wants to order a book Mm -hmm. and so what's the book you want to read and so it was i'd try to gradually include them in the conversation Mm -hmm. so that it wasn't so scary Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but the people at talking books are great they're not impatient they will let you ask five bazillion questions (laughs) and so they're they're definitely some of my favorite people well i'm i'm sure when they hear this they will (laughs) be excited to know that and and just um to let everyone know, I did not pay Nancy to say any of that. No, 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 not at all. I, I, I was so excited to come and talk about talking books and how much they've made a big impact in my life. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I remember my mom reading books to me as a little kid. And mm-hmm. I think my mom must have just not been able to keep up with how much I wanted to read sure, things. Sure, yeah. And I don't remember how little I was. I'd actually be kind of fascinated to know mm-hmm. when I got my first book, just mm-hmm. out of sheer curiosity. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, that talking books has been a part of my life, most of my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Well, and, and, you know, we help a lot of folks out there, even through, you know, if, if someone who's listening to this podcast episode and they know someone with a visual mm-hmm. impairment, um, certainly feel free to contact or just Google, you know, South Carolina Talking Book Services and 
um, go to our website and well, just I think, contact us. I think people forget that it's not just folks that are blind and visually impaired. It's right. anybody that um, you know can't hold a book, mm-hmm. which I thought was amazing. And mm-hmm. I, it's been really exciting actually to see there are TV commercials for NLS. Oh yeah, they've been that doing a lot of great was promotion. Was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because it's true, and I think, you know, people forget. You know, you you can't pick up a newspaper and read it, or, mm-hmm. or you know that that great novel everybody else is talking about. If you can't hold a book to read it, you you get left out. That's right. Yeah, and so, hopefully, we encourage folks to um, not only contact their local library, but definitely, you know, just Google our Talking Book Services and contact us, and we'll be able to help. So. Um, so thank you so much for being with us today and talking about um, everything about um, access technology. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. It's been great having you here. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for any future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. Until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.